God is going to use him to do. The Bible said that the things that can be shaken will be shaken so that the things which cannot might remain. I'm telling you, there's only when the dust clears, when the dust clears, there's only one that's going to to be standing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's not you and me. We're in him. I can't do this without him. My hope, my faith, my trust is in him because when the dust clears, he's going to be the one standing. I want my hope in him. Let the world do what it will. And it's going to turn. It's going to shake. It's going to stir. But he can't be shaken. He can't be moved. And I want my life to be found in him. If you're here today, I believe the Lord is going to minister to you. I'm just believing it in a special way. Brother Hart, why don't you come and minister to us? Take your liberty. You know there's no restraints on you. We want you to obey the Lord today. As the evangelist comes, can we lift our hands and just ask the Lord to look deep into our heart and if he'll reveal ourselves to us. Lord, will you speak to me today? Lord, will you deal with me today? Brother Hart, come and minister to us. Come on, would you lift your voice unto heaven right now and pray that from the bottom of your heart. just a few more moments all over this room would you really lift your voice would you open your heart and spirit to the Lord right now and really get a hunger for what God's going to do in this room today come on with everything you've got within you begin to reach in your spirit begin to open your heart to the Lord you may, not, you may be here today and you may not understand fully everything that's happening right now but I can tell you what you are feeling in this room is the power and the presence of the Almighty God that has stepped into this house and met with you, desires to encounter your life today in a marvelous way. Why don't you just lift your voice and your hands to Him right now and say, God, I receive everything you desire to do in my life today. I open myself to you. I open myself to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I wish there could be a sound of desperation come out of this sanctuary right now. Hallelujah. Come on, I wish, I I got a word to preach, but I wish there was a saint of God that would begin to lift your voice in intercession right now for just a moment and let God know that we are here to encounter his glory. Hallelujah. Come on, what a powerful worship service we have had, but I wonder if you can worship him without a song. I wonder if you could pray without the prompting of the praise team. Come on, with everything you've got, begin to press your way into a place where God can speak, where God can break the chains that have held you down. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, I speak a release of power and authority in this room today. Let the power and the presence of God be without hindrance. Let it be without restraint. Let your people, oh God, lift their voice in praise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
This is what I want us to do for just a moment. Grab the hand of whoever's beside you, if it's appropriate to do so. I want you to grab their hand, and I want us to bind together in a spirit of unity right now. I want you to begin to lift your voice and and pray, and I want you to pray from the bottom of your heart. God, I don't want anything to stop the moving and the working of your spirit that is in this room today. I yield myself to the working of your spirit. I yield myself to what you would desire to do in this house. Come on, I got a word, but I believe there's something God wants to break before we ever get started here. Come on, that's it. Somebody begin to pray a prayer of blessing over your role right now. I wish some saint of God would begin to pray that God would send victory and breakthrough to your section today. Come on, every soul that's sitting on your row, God, I'm praying that the power of God would minister unto them in this service. I bind every spirit of the adversary. I come against every tactic that hell would use to afflict and keep bound those that are in this room today. God, let there be deliverance. Let there be freedom made manifest in this house. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. One more time, let's lift our hands and our voices, and now let's thank the Lord in faith for what he's going to do in this house. Come on, would you do it? Would you lift your voice? Come on, let some volume come out of your mouth. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Praise God. What a powerful witness of his spirit is in this room today. And I'm thankful for a God that knows exactly what we need. A God that is not dead. He is not silent. But our God is alive and well. And he is in this house today. And I feel... I feel a strong anointing in this place right now. I want to turn your attention to the Gospel of Matthew. I'll read from the 12th chapter, beginning at verse number 1, the 12th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, and I'll read verses 1 through 8. What a great honor and privilege it is for my wife and I to be back in Flint. We uh, so appreciate this great church. We always enjoy our time Uh, with you and um, seeing the great things that God is doing right here in this uh, community, in this city. And we thank God for that. And we we are believing that uh, over the course of this next week, while we have the privilege to be together, that God would do something miraculous uh, 
and marvelous in our midst. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were unhungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was unhungered? And they were with him. How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have ye not also read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest and the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Jesus said, But I say unto you that in this temple is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. I want to preach today on this subject, what I feel so emphatically impressed of the Lord to deliver to this congregation and I feel very assured in my spirit that before we're done today, there will be a powerful move of the Holy Ghost sweep across this sanctuary. I don't know at what point it's going to hit. I I do know a few points that I need to get to today, but at some point, the power of God, if you will loose yourself in response to His Word, God wants to do something powerful. I believe there's victory and deliverance and breakthrough in this house for those that will step into it. Amen. I didn't get a great big response right there, but I'll, we'll, we'll preach to that point anyway. I want to preach to you on this subject. War knows no Sabbath. War knows no Sabbath. God bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. God commanded the children of Israel in the book of Exodus to remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. Exodus chapter 31, beginning in verse number 16, records the very words of God as he spoke to Moses, saying, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. God said, It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. This we know was God's ordained method of maintaining communion and closeness with his people. And although we no longer live beneath the weight of Old Testament law, but rather under the covenant of grace being filled with the Holy Ghost and now finding our spiritual rest through relational communion with the Almighty God. We do still observe the the principle and the origin of the Sabbath day. For Sunday after Sunday, just like this day in which God has blessed us with today. We gather ourselves 
together. We wake ourselves up, in fact. We put on our Sunday best and we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise and we lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We do as scripture teaches us. We fulfill our God given duty and that is to praise, to worship and to bless the name of the one true living God. Can I just pause just for a moment and say there's nothing like being in the house of God uh, on a Sunday morning now this afternoon. Uh, amen. But there's nothing like being in God's house with the people of God. It, it's, it's our opportunity, so to speak, to, to unplug from the pressures of, of everyday life and, and plug in to the presence of the Lord. Now, let me just insert the disclaimer. I don't believe at all that that church on Sunday at 12.05 is the only time throughout the course of a week where we ought to find ourselves in, in the holy place. I don't believe that's the only time we ought to lift our hands and lift our voice and praise our way into an encounter with God. God, I, I, that's another sermon for another time, but I believe it ought to happen every day, no matter where you are. It ought to happen in your living room. It ought to happen at your, your, your dining room table. It ought to happen at your bedside. But nevertheless, there is something especially powerful about coming into the house of God on a Sunday morning. And not just me, mama, and the kids, but but with my brothers and, and with my sisters, with the people of God, those of like precious faith. Was it Paul that would write about it this way? Assembling ourselves together, calling upon the name of the Lord. I would say that as wonderful as Sundays are, as, as powerful as Sundays are, I, I, was, I was scrolling through social media some time ago and I, I saw uh, somebody post and they said this, they said sometimes I wish Sundays could come with the pause button. Because we know Monday's coming. We know the task list of next week is waiting on us, but there's just something about Sunday that, that none of the cares matter. None of the burdens are pressing down on us. And certainly when we get in a holy atmosphere like this, there's just something about it that I, I wish, Bishop, I could just push the pause button and forget about everything else that awaits. That's just how I feel about being in the house of God on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, that I could just stay right here, but as powerful as a Sunday afternoon service is at CAC, as, as spiritually renewing and, and as refreshing as the times are when we come into the presence of the Lord. As much as Sunday is to be a day of, of rest and renewal. Ladies and gentlemen, hell does not see Sunday like you and I see Sunday. 
we see Sunday with anticipation. We look toward Sunday with excitement. But I submit to you, hell looks at Sunday with nervous dread and apprehension. I wish I had a preaching church about right now. We look forward to gathering together with God's people because we know what can happen when we get in one mind and in one accord. But I submit Satan despises the gathering together of the faithful because he also knows just what can happen when we collectively lay aside our worries and we plug into a vein of worship and call upon the name of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we in fact make hell nervous, not just by showing up at church, but by truly having church. So I haven't come today to let the church have two hours of my time. I came to have church. I came not to just go through the motions, but I have come into this house to magnify the Lord. I've not come to just patty cake for Jesus. I've come to praise him until his glory comes Come on, I wish I had somebody that felt this way. I hadn't come to just look spiritual. I haven't come to just be religious. I've come to get the attention of the almighty God. I've come expecting revival today. I've come expecting victory in this house. I've come expecting deliverance. I've come expecting someone to step into your victory. I came expecting somebody to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost because it is the will of God concerning you to be filled with the baptism of his spirit. The battle of of Vicksburg is one of the most remarkable campaigns of the American Civil War. History tells us that for many it was a hard-fought month. General Ulysses S. Grant and his army had been trying to wrest away the strategic Confederate River Fortress of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Grant led his forces across the Mississippi River and drove the Confederate Army of Mississippi into the defensive lines surrounding Vicksburg. When two major assaults against the Confederate fortifications were repulsed with heavy casualties, Grant decided to besiege the city beginning on May the 25th, 1863. And then history tells that with no reinforcement, with supplies nearly all gone, and after holding out for more than 40 days, the garrison finally surrendered on July the 4th, 1863. History also tells of the throes and the conditions of war that took their toll on the townsfolk of Vicksburg. Businesses were shut down. School was suspended. And in a sense, you could say that life in Vicksburg was paralyzed, frozen in a state of uncertainty. Certainly those citizens hoped that normalcy and and peace would find its way back into their lives again. Yet 
the unknown, the uncertainty of tomorrow blinded their vision from seeing or believing what the future might bring. However, in spite of all of this confusion, in, in spite of this, this interruption of their everyday lives, there was one element of life that remained constant. And that was this. Churches all across Vicksburg continued to hold their regularly scheduled worship services. Because while some could have used their circumstances as an excuse for gathering, others believed that the circumstances of war were all the more reason. That was all the more reason. That made it that much more appropriate to gather together in worship. One Emma Balfour wrote of her church, and I quote, she said, the sanctuary was so filled with bricks, mortar, and glass that it was difficult to find a place to sit. Nevertheless, Reverend W.W. Lord rang the bell, opened the door, clutched his Bible in hand, and took his place behind the pulpit. With the deep booming sound of cannon fire taking the place of organ notes and the shells of besieging fleet bursting around the sacred edifice. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to an assemblage of powder grimed and blood-stained soldiery. Men who had been displaced from their homes. Men who had been called away from their families all for the sake of war. Drugged themselves off of the battlefield and into a house of worship. A building whose very appearance was becoming just as rugged as the weary soldiers who stumbled through its doors. Yes, it was the Lord's day, but it seemed as though war had invaded not only Vicksburg, not only their everyday lives, but war had invaded the Sabbath day itself. When asked about the effects of war upon their worship services, it was a Reverend William L. Foster who responded with this statement from which I preach today. His words were these, War knows no Sabbath. I come to Flint, Michigan with my assignment made very clear this morning. Uh, although Confederate cannons have been silenced, uh, Union troops have marched away in victory uh, and the battle of Vicksburg continues only now uh, on the pages of the history book. Uh, but make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there is a war uh, that is raging. 
there is a battle that is being fought. Even today, even in this very service, I might add, there is an opposing force of hell that is fighting against your home. It's fighting against your family. It's fighting against your mind. Satan has launched an all-out attack on teenagers and young adults. He is besieging faithful saints of God with fear. Satan is seeking to ambush those that have fallen in battle, reminding them of the freshness of their wounds because of yesterday's mistakes. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. The enemy of this day is seeking to hold captive those who have been imprisoned by their sins. Must understand that the spiritual opposition that we face today is not some new tactic. It's not just some new strategy that the enemy has drawn up over time. While we may fight new battles every day, amen, God has sent me to remind this congregation today that we are engaged in an old war. There will be new struggles. There will be new new things that arise in, in front of us. But this is an old battle. This is an old fight. It's the same war that Paul warned the Ephesians of in Ephesians 6 when Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And indeed, after all of these passing centuries, we can look around us in 2023 and easily and quite quickly conclude that hell's mission has indeed proven to be just as Jesus said that it would be to steal and to kill and to destroy. I got to move on. I got a sermon to preach. But don't you think for a moment, amen, that this is just some make-believe game. Don't you think that this battle that we preach about, that this war that even the Apostle Paul would, would write about, don't you think that this war is just some, some scare tactic to reach the lost with? Amen. I would shake somebody's soul right now and, and, and lead you to the understanding. This is, in fact, a life or death fight to the finish against Satan and his forces. Hell is after your soul. The enemy is out to destroy a man, your God-given purpose. Oh. And at the, ex at the expense of sounding like a doom and gloom preacher today, I must tell you that just because this is Sunday doesn't mean that war takes a day of rest. The Sabbath doesn't exempt us from fighting our adversary. Sunday is no peacetime. Sunday is no 
time out. In fact, in some cases, Sunday is when the battle gets the hottest. Now, I'm not here to make a doctrine out of that, but I'm just going to preach from experience for just a moment. Sometimes, Sunday about 10.30, I don't mean to meddle, I got all week to do that, but sometimes on a Sunday morning about 10, 10.30, that's when all of hell can so easily break loose. Sometimes about 12.00, Three, right before we enter into a time of worship. There's something about the adversary knows how to get into our thinking and get us so distracted by the war that we are in that we lose our ability to fight. It's getting quiet in here, but you just surely you know me by now. That don't make me nervous. Sometimes Sunday is when the battle gets the fiercest. I, I felt it. I felt it about a week and a half ago in anticipation for this trip. I felt it this morning as I began to seek the will of God for this service. And I felt it confirmed in my spirit again, standing right over there by that window as we were worshiping and praising the Lord. I told God, I don't mean to sound spooky and crazy because I'm not that kind of guy, but I told the Lord, I said, I feel such a witness of what I feel to preach. And it's almost like I can feel the conversation conflict in the atmosphere because some of you have walked into this beautiful sanctuary today like you do every week maybe some of you are here for the very first time but nevertheless there's some of you walked into this sanctuary today feeling battered and beaten from the battle that you are in and dare I say there's a few that even feel like you barely survived your last attack there's others here today that you have fought so long and you have fought so hard that you've become weary in the fight. Not sure if there's ever going to be an end to your struggle. Others today have walked in here bearing hurts and bearing scars that the enemy has tried to convince you. And in some cases, the enemy has succeeded with some of you in convincing you that those hurts will never heal and those, those wounds will will never go away. Others have stumbled in here today feeling fatigued and torn in your spirit, questioning whether or not God still knows where you are. Some of you even have stumbled in here today and you have suffered so much loss. You have endured so much devastation that your own faith is struggling to survive. You, you need to understand, I, I get it all. Physically, you walked into a beautiful sanctuary on a beautiful nearly fall day and you sat down on a padded chair and the smile on your face says everything is fine. But spiritually, I can, I can almost see it in the spirit, Bishop. Spiritually, some of us waded through blood, sweat, and tears just to get here today. 
spiritually, some of us climbed over wreckage. Spiritually, some of us kicked aside debris and had to dust soot off of your soul just to get into the house of God and find your place in his presence again. I haven't come to be mean today. Just hang with me a moment. But this is, this is the nature of the fight. We come into a beautiful sanctuary like this. We sit through a powerful service and, and, and we watch the singers sing their songs. We see the preacher screaming, hollering, and sweating like a stuck hog. Amen. But all the while, we are deafened. We are deafened by the booming sounds of battle all around us. We know the church routine and we know the, the service agenda and we see all that is happening. Amen. But the hope that has been sung about today hasn't yet quite penetrated your soul because the distractions of war are stealing your attention. And the enemy is endeavoring even right now to distract some of you so bad, amen, that the sermon from that preacher from Oklahoma will, will not penetrate your soul because he'll feed you this excuse and he'll feed you that excuse. And I've come to wake somebody up and let you know there's a battle that is fighting for your attention. And you can sit on a padded chair and give all of your attention to this cannon fire and the battle and the debris or you can make up in your your mind if I am here and God is here then I refuse to let the battle I refuse to let the battle cheat me out of the blessing that God has ordained for me today I got a sermon to preach but I wish somebody would throw your hands in the air right now and say God I'm not going to let the battle get the best of me I'm not going to let the war distract me I'm not going to let the enemy's attacks steal my praise I'm going to get to the Bible in just a minute. Amen. But those preachers in Vicksburg said there may be a war, but bless God, we're still going to get together in worship. One of the worst things you could do is, is fold your arms and say, well, I'm going through so much, I don't think I've got a song. I'm going through so much, I don't think I can lift my hands. I'm going through so much hell, I don't believe I can bless the Lord today. The devil is a liar. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Whether I'm in war or I'm in peace, I will bless the Lord. Is this not how we fight our battles? Is this not how we fight our battles? God. I believe God has, I'm going to get to my text. I believe God has stepped into this room today to let someone know that in spite of the bullets you've had to dodge, 
in spite of the mess you've had to climb over, in spite of all the danger you have dealt with, God has stepped into this room today to let somebody know He's not afraid of your battle. God's not intimidated by the warfare going on in your life. God is not bound and God is not restricted because of everything you're going through. And you need to understand before I go to my text and I try to wind this, you need to understand that you're not fighting this thing on your own. Let me go to my text. Having just answered the foreboding question sent by John the baptizer, Art thou he or should we look for another? Jesus confirmed his identity as the manifested fulfillment of God's law and covenant. And now we read on through the chapter and it's as if with John's ministry on their mind, Jesus took the opportunity and seized the moment to explain to them the prophetic role and the preparatory purpose of the baptizer's most unusual and unconventional ministry. While Jesus applauded John, he admonished that current generation of Pharisaical vipers for their ignorance and self-righteous hypocrisy. And he even began scolding certain cities listed in Matthew chapter 11 for their resistance and lack of repentance and obedience to the message John preached. Then Jesus offers a brief prayer and delivers to his friends one of the most quoted sayings of his earthly ministry found in Matthew 11 and verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Little did his disciples realize that the subject matter of rest that Jesus just addressed would soon become such a contentious topic of discussion. Yet Jesus seemed to settle the issue right out of the gate, knowing what awaited just at the turn of the page of the next chapter. Jesus settled the issue right out of the gate. I will give you rest. True rest does not come from a mere day on the calendar. Rest finds its source and substance in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our rest. And following these very words, look at the first verse of Matthew chapter 12. At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were hungered. Probably about like you are right now. 
Jesus has been preaching a good while. <laughs> Jesus is preaching and leads them through the corn and, and the disciples get hungry. And so the temptation was too great, Pastor. <laughs> the disciples begin to pluck the ears of corn and eat. And when the Pharisees saw what was happening, they said unto Jesus, Behold, look at your disciples. They are doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to pick corn on the Sabbath day. Aren't you going to correct them? Aren't you going to straighten them out? Jesus, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, preach every nook and cranny of this today. But Jesus said, well, don't you remember? You're, you're students of the law. Don't you remember what David did? David got in a tight spot and David ate of the showbread and I didn't hold that against him. Jesus then says, and, and what about the priest? The priest uh, also in, in the temple profane the Sabbath, and yet they are held blameless. And Jesus goes on to make a statement. I believe it's in uh, verse 6. Jesus said, but I say unto you, in this, in this place is one greater than the temple. You are holding the law in such high esteem that you are missing the very fulfillment of the law and covenant of God. These, these men were getting so bent out. Now just hang with me for a moment. They were getting so bent out of shape over this issue of the Sabbath day. Their whole issue was a work issue. God worked for six days in creation and on the Sabbath day, he rested. But it's in this sixth verse where Jesus meets them at the point of, 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 their, of their contention and Jesus opens the door of revelation and begins to combat their love of tradition with truth saying in this place there stands before you one that is greater than the temple. Jesus was trying to help them to understand there is something you need to understand about the law. There's something you need to understand about rest. There's something you need to understand about the Sabbath. I am the law. I am your rest. And in verse 8, Jesus cuts straight to the chase and says, for the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. And what and what blew the mind of these Pharisees was that on the Sabbath day, God was working. Can, can I just pause and I'll get to the rest of my sermon. Can I just pause right here and tell somebody it might be the Sabbath day, but Jesus still works? I know that's a little shallow for you, and so I'll get to the scholars in just a minute maybe. But on Monday, he works. 
On Tuesday, he works. On Wednesday, he works. On Thursday and Friday, he works. On Saturday, he works. And even on Sunday afternoon, when the enemy is coming against your mind and trying to distract distract you from the reality of your struggle. I've come to preach to you, Jesus still works. Seven days a week, he'll work. 24 hours a day, he'll work. He'll fight on your behalf. It might be the Sabbath, but God is not bound by time, date, or season. He is not controlled by the circumstances around you. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Jesus lays that principle out there. Verse number eight. Verse number nine, when they were... Uh, when he was departed thence, he went into the synagogue as if to pour a little fuel on this fire. Jesus goes into the synagogue and there, the Bible says in verse number 10, there was a man which had his hand withered and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day. Is it lawful for you to transform this man's life on the Sabbath day? According to them, it was unlawful to do just about anything. Obviously, I'm not here to preach all this. They were trying to corner Christ. They were, they were engaged in this, this age-old war trying to plot his execution, but that's not my sermon today. They said, is it lawful? Are you going to do again what should not be done on the Sabbath day? Can I, can I preach for a few minutes here today that the enemy's using that same little line on some of you and saying it, it's not able to happen today. I know you've been praying for a healing for a long time and the enemy would get in your ear and say it's not lawful, not today. Your miracle can't happen today. God can't step into your battle, not, not today. It's 126, I'm hurrying, help me preach and I'll hurry more. If you say amen, that tells me you got it. Say amen. The enemy will tell us that can't happen today. That, 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 that can't take place. That blessing and breakthrough that you have been praying for, it's, it's not going to happen. But I love what Jesus said in verse number 12. He said, it is lawful to do well. It is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. I believe God has stepped into this room today and then when that pharisaical doubting spirit would tell you that God can't forgive your sin, God said it is lawful to do well. When the devil would tell you there's, there's no healing for that sickness, I hear the spirit say it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath. 
when the enemy would tell you, uh, amen, that there's no peace for your family, uh, that there's no hope for you. Uh, I hear the Spirit say it is lawful uh, to do well uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, I've come to preach to somebody right now. Uh, God is able. Uh, there may be a war raging around you, uh, but God is able. There may be distractions that are fighting for your attention, but God is saying it is well and it is lawful for me to involve myself in your circumstance. He's Lord and it is lawful. And so Jesus moves in for the kill. And I, I promise, I'm hurrying. Verse number, verse number 11. Jesus says, who among you, what man among you shall have one sheep? And if that one sheep fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, which one of you would not go lay hold of that lamb and lift it up? I'm not going to preach all this, but a similar occurrence happened in Luke 13. It's not the same story, but it's very similar. Jesus goes into the synagogue, and there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus said to that woman, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Her body was bent and twisted. And Jesus said, Thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And immediately, the Bible says, her body was made straight. Everything that was bent and crooked, God made straight in one service. And the, the, the Pharisees did in that story just like they did in this one. It's the Sabbath day. You can't do that. And Jesus said, you hypocrite. Doth not every one of you on the Sabbath day untie your donkey from the stall and lead him away to get water? And Jesus said, if you do that for a donkey, why shouldn't this woman, I believe he called her this daughter of Zion, why shouldn't this daughter of Zion be loosed from her bond? I believe it even mentions, yeah, Satan hath bound her, lo, these 18 years. Why shouldn't she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? In one story, Jesus refers to a sheep being lifted. Another story, he refers to a donkey being loosed. I believe that if on this Sunday afternoon, if Jesus really is Lord, and if it is really lawful for him to do well on the Sabbath day, I believe whatever pit you are in, he can lift you up. Whatever chain has bound you, he is well able to loose you. He said in that 12th verse, how much then is a man better than a sheep? If it's good for the sheep, it's good for you. 
if it's if it's good for the donkey, Jesus said it's good enough for you. If they can be loosed, you can be loosed right here, right now, today. And the whole principle of what Jesus was establishing in both of these stories. Jesus was was making it clear that though there is an adversary that will tell you it cannot happen and you are hopeless to die in your affliction. Jesus was saying, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus was saying, I am come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus was saying, I am not willing that any should perish, but that all should have life. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe God has stepped into this sanctuary today just to sit on the sidelines of battle and observe the casualties. I believe in this very room right now, God has, is here to step into your battle. In both cases, the woman whom Satan bound for 18 years, Jesus loosed immediately. This man in Matthew 12, whose hand was withered, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand, and immediately his hand was made straight. I'm preaching to you that same God is in this room today, and if you have been bound, if you have been bound, you can be delivered. If you have been sick, you can be well because he is God and the master takes no days off. I wrote it in the margins. War doesn't rest, but neither does the master. I close with this. I didn't, even, I didn't even connect the dots to all this until this morning I was putting my tie on. Tomorrow, September the 11th. September the 11th, 2001 is a day that will forever live in infamy in this country. Commercial airplanes flew into the world-renowned trade center towers invoking devastation like our nation had never seen on its own soil. The tragic events of that day were not by any means accidental, but rather a very intentional act of war. The Twin Towers in New York City set on a 14.6 acre block, surrounded by city streets. Watch this. Liberty Street to the south and Church Street to the east. The attack that launched our nation into yet another war happened on the corner of liberty and church. President George W. Bush visited Ground Zero days following that awful tragedy and delivered from the top of rubble what is notoriously known as his bullhorn speech. After an outspoken firefighter complained of not being able to hear what President of the United States was saying President George Bush with a bullhorn in his hand 
responded to that firefighter with these words. I hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. I want you to hear me very carefully. I don't come today trying to hype you up. But I do feel a direct assignment in the Spirit today to reach for some of you who hell has attacked you over and over and over. And you may, you may, you may have a big smile on your face this morning. And there may not be very many people that maybe not even anybody knowing what you're going through. And I'm not asking you to come take the mic and air out all your problems. But I feel my assignment today is to let you know that it matters not how brutal the attack has been. It matters not how devastating the blow has been. It matters not how your liberty may be in jeopardy. It matters not how how frustrated you have been because it seems like God hasn't heard your cry. I'm preaching to somebody right now that you have cried out to God and you have wondered if God can hear you. I believe God is responding today with these words. I hear you. All of heaven hears you. And the devil who knocked you down will hear all of us soon. Say, Brother Hart, you're just trying to hype us up. The devil is a lie. I've come to tell you. The bat- I got Bibles, 1 Samuel 17, 47. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. David stood before that giant and said, you've brought a lot of defeat to the people of Israel. You've won your share of victories as a champion of war. But David said, the Lord, the battle is the Lord's. We may have fought some battles in the flesh, but this battle belongs to God. And if the battle is His, He will give the enemy into your hand. Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 22. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, He shall fight for you. And to use Paul's words to the Romans, if God be for us, who can be against us? Stand with me all over this room. I'm not going to give this altar call for everybody in this building, all right? If everybody wants to respond and come, by all means. Amen. But here's what I want to do today. Here's what I want us to do. If you would be, again, I'm not going to ask you to share it. I'm not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass anybody in this house today. But if you would be honest enough to say, Preacher, I've been in a battle. And the enemy's been fighting against me. 
feeding me lie after lie. The enemy's been distracting me. It's a struggle to pray. It's a struggle to worship. I've been finding myself just going through the motions because of the battle that has oppressed me and pushed me down. I'm not throwing shade on anybody today, but this is the altar call I felt to give. If If you would be honest enough to say I'm in a battle, but I believe there is a God in this place today that is able and willing to put an end to my struggle. Therefore, I'm going to obey Him. I'm going to respond in faith. I wish you'd step out right now. Again, this don't have to be everybody, but I am pleading. If if I am preaching to you today, please don't hide behind the facade any longer. Please don't put on that act anymore. If you would be honest enough to say, preacher, that's me. I'm in a battle, and it's been a struggle to break through lately. It's been a struggle. Come on, don't you let the devil get in your ear and tell you everything's fine. Come on, if there's been a battle raging in your soul lately, I wish you'd run to this altar and say, God, I'm hungry for deliverance. I'm hungry for a breakthrough. I'm hungry for your power. Come on, all over this building, I want you to come right now. I'm telling you, There's a powerful witness of the Spirit in this room right now. God is waiting on you. God is willing to lift and God is willing to loose because He's Lord and it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Therefore, I submit God is waiting on you to throw your hands of surrender in the air and say, God, the battle's not mine, it's yours. The battle's not mine. It's your, come on, I wish you'd close your eyes. I wish you'd lift your hands toward heaven right now. And say, God, this battle belongs to you. If you need healing in your body, I'm telling you, there's healing in this house today. If you need deliverance from the grip of the enemy, there's deliverance in this house right now. Come on, people of God, begin to lift your voice right now. Come on, if you're one of those that came to this front, I want you to begin to lift your voice and a shout right now. I don't want you to let the enemy get into your mind and suppress your praise. Come on, I want you to let praise begin to roll out of your spirit. Come on, let a shout come out of you. Come on, that's it. Begin to lift your voice. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are catching on. Come on, don't be silent. Come on, don't be silent. Don't let yourself be distracted by the battle. with somebody lift your voice like it's a war lift your voice like it's a war come on Gideon's army where's your shout come on David where's your song